The clock is always ticking, especially on a Sunday as we run late. The clock is always ticking. The clock is always ticking in my life, and I have felt that, especially over the past decade, as a mother, because mothers count time. I feel the passage of time. It begins with weeks of pregnancy, months with newborns, years with children, and everyone who says to me, oh, enjoy this time. It will go so fast. John O'Donohue brilliantly names stress as a perverted relationship with time. With time, I am always wondering if I'm stuck in it or if I'm rushing too much. I'm always conscious of time. And there are days that we deny the clock that is ticking. And there are other days we battle the clock that is ticking. But the great philosophers would tell us that if we are to be content and happy, we must accept the clock as it is ticking and time as it is passing. In this Advent, I have loved our theme, freedom to be present, because of my fascination with time and how I'm always trying to be present. And so I had gathered some things for me to read in the mornings during Advent, and one of the things that I had found was some writing from Seneca, the great ancient Roman philosopher who wrote a work titled On the Shortness of Life, Life is Long if You Know How to Use It. He had written, hold every hour in your grasp, lay hold of today's task, and you will not need to depend so much upon tomorrow's. The whole future lies in uncertainty, live immediately. And so I had tucked that away to read during Advent. But the curious thing is then when I came to that reading in Advent, I did not like it anymore, actually. I came to feel like it tasted like a really sugary cookie that felt and tasted really good when you first ate it. And then later, you felt sort of empty and disappointed. It was a truth that feels really delicious at first. Live immediately. But then that sort of sense can fade when time passes. And it suggests that freedom in the present depends and hinges on my inner tranquility. Something for me that actually uh, goes and comes. It depends on the hour. It depends on how much sleep I've gotten the night before. Or if my children were up while I was eating breakfast. Or when I last ate. Or who is around me. So live immediately is great, but I kind of need something more than that. The past is complex. And the future is uncertain. And so putting on blinders for a moment may feel good, but actually I need more than that. I want something more than invitation to stop and smell the roses. The roses are very fragrant. And those moments to smell roses can help us breathe, and it's wonderful. But I actually need something more than just carpe diem at Advent. I want and need a holy one whose reach can hold together the past and its complexity and the future and its uncertainty in such a way that I can be free here in this present moment, whether the moment is beautiful or brutal or just passing and I didn't even notice. 
The God that I need, though, is the God we have in Isaiah 35 that's nurtured generation after generation, a God who sees us in the present moment. Weak hands, feeble knees, fearful hearts. And this God says, I'm on my way. The past does not have to define you, and the future does not have to terrify you. Instead, from here, glorious vegetation and streams of water will bound forth soon, allowing the crocus to blossom. And as creation comes back to life, so will you. Opened eyes and unstopped ears, leaping bodies and joyful song will be a sign that the days ahead are not what you fear them to be. So get up on your feet and walk together towards a place where you will remember sorrow rather than be paralyzed by it. Your sighing will turn to singing as you tell of that holy way that led you out of the wilderness with crocus blossoms lining the path. The power in this passage that we should not miss is that it's written in the future tense. Isaiah is speaking these words to people who are in real concrete realities of exile and poverty and great uncertainty. God is telling the people held in bondage that what you are experiencing right now and what you have experienced in the past is not how it will end in the future. This joy morning, we have to make sure we remember that God is being very frank with us. Do not pretend to be joyful this morning if you are still held in bondage and crying out for release. Advent does not ask us to act as if all is well if it is not well for you. The joy banner right here does not require of you to deny or ignore your present reality if you are still waiting. For if we cannot name the wilderness that we are in, we will never recognize God leading us out of it. Surely Mary had weak hands and feeble knees and a trembling heart. Dr. Tyler Mayfield points out that Isaiah 35, which I read, and Luke 1, which will be read soon, show us the same characteristic of God's coming, great reversals, transformations brought by God. Mary's great courage and exemplary trust is so often sentimentalized as a performative vision of a mother's pure love. But remember, we have to remember, even as the choir and the orchestra sing beautiful music, that God comes to real people, feeble and weak. And so let this music that is going to come soon spread glory all over us and allow the notes not just to fall on serene places of angels prophesying and a mother holding a newborn, but equally upon all of our tender places of the heart where the wilderness has changed us and our noses no longer remember the fragrance of crocus blossoms. And just maybe joy will rise within us as we go. For in the act of reverence and adoration, we may find enough trust that the God whom we are worshiping is a God who understands and redeems the past who promises our future and who loves us in this very present hour. 
our God might just be in the process of a great reversal. Look even now, the crocus is beginning to blossom. Let us celebrate this joy that God gives to us, standing and turning to one another to say, may the joy of Christ be with you.